Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Slice of Time. Wait, no. Mm-hmm. Time, no. Welcome to the We Can't Ra- Oh, it's not nope. the We Can't. Welcome to the Death Cast. No. It's not any of those. But it's a hodgepodge of all of them. Welcome to the year that was dot 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 1997. I'm here with my all the time co-host, my brother Nate. Hello, everybody. And first time host, co-host, whatever you want to call him, Ian Totten. What's up, brother? Howdy. And um, right at the start of it, because I've never really had anybody that wanted to do this. Do you guys have anything you want to plug at the beginning of this show? Anything you want to talk about? Get your own shit over. If you want me to get my shit over, I can. <laughs> man. Sure. Uh, well, I'm a best-selling author. You can find all six of my novels on Amazon.com or on my uh, webpage, CorpseCreekPublishing.com. You can also find all social media links to me there. That's Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, MeWe, uh, Facebook. And I also have a pretty damn popular podcast on true crime that you can find on every platform called The Death Cast. I thoroughly enjoy your show. I really do. Thank you. It's a lot of damn work. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is. It is. This podcasting thing. And you do a great job at it. Um, I mean, Aaron and I would, of course, plug our own shit. You, you can listen to any of the shows on the WrestleNet Radio Podcast Network. Reliving the Extreme, chronicling the history of ECW with ECW's Chad Austin, which is our personal favorite show to do. Of course, the We Can't Wrestle podcast, my show Slice of Time, and our buddy Archie Mitchell with If You Smell What the Arch is Cooking. And I another show, another show I'm not going to say yet, but another show is in the works for this network. So there you go. Cool beans. Um, unlike you guys, I don't do a lot of like prep or work on this show. I just kind of watch um, a year of wrestling chronologically and write down what I think and then let you guys do most of the work. Um, so basically what we're doing is we're going over the year that was and the year we're talking about is 1997. And we've basically got to, well, not basically got to, we have gotten to um, the week of March 3rd, or not March 3rd, sorry, it's going to be March 3rd. It's my birthday today, by the way. Um, But we're going to the week of March 10th, 1997. Um, This is a very uh, significant date in wrestling because we're not going to talk about it first. We're going to talk about Nitro first. Well, well, okay. Trailing off a little bit, but we're gonna do this. You guys want to talk about WWF first or WCW first? The hmm. episode March tenth, nineteen ninety seven. Are we gonna talk about WWF or WCW first? Go with WCW because I never liked them. <laughs> get, get it out of the way. Yeah, right, we're gonna get this out of the way. March 10th, 1997, WCW Spring Breakout. They are in Club La Vila, 
Which, which I, well, go ahead. I was just going to say, I always thought that those shows had a nice aesthetic to them when they did those shows in the at Panama Beach or whatever. Yeah, and 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 this is where we're at. Club La Bila, WCW. Um, it opens with a weird, like, camcorder shot of Hulk Hogan and Dennis Rodman. And they're, like, hyping the movie Time Cop. <laughs> and, and, and Hogan is, like, schmoozing with Rodman. And um, they say at the same time that they are as bad as they want to be later. And then they put up like, the Wolfpack side. So it's basically Hogan trying to schmooze off Rodman and Rodman being lame and and, and I don't know. And they're like smoking cigars and shit. They're like fucking stupid. It was all very goofy. I don't know that I've ever seen Time Cop, nor will I ever see Time Cop. But one thing I will say, and I was not a fan of Rodman in WCW and this whole deal. But I understand why WCW did it, because those of you that maybe were not alive at the time or listening to the show or didn't uh, or were too young or whatever. I mean, the guy was legit one of the biggest celebrities in the world. So for having a celebrity crossover, a person again, personally, I wasn't a fan. Um, I didn't study. I didn't think he brought much to the table, but for getting eyes on your product, you know, at that time in 97, he was definitely somebody that was an asset. It's, I don't have much more to add to that. That you, That's really the only reason he was there is to get eyes on the product. And he agreed to come in, I believe, because of Hulk Hogan. Because, mm-hmm. let's be honest, he was the biggest thing that they had. Yeah. He wasn't going to come in and work with, you know, Buff Bagwell. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know many that would do that voluntarily anyway. but No, but he was going to come in and... You know, be with the biggest guy they had. And this is the kind of stuff right here is the reason I never really got into WCW. It was, I remember how hot it was. I was in high school. Everybody was wearing the shirts, the NWO shirts. They always seemed like WWF's bastard sister mm-hmm. or bitch sister, whatever you want to call it. They were just not my speed. I was so, also I was also more a WWF guy back in the day. <clears throat> so Hogan and Robin are pitching this fucking shitty movie and saying they're as bad as they want to be. And then a white limo shows up and Rowdy Rowdy Piper gets out of it with his shitty fucking group. Like the uh, it's like we talked about it last week, and I know Ian, you weren't on here, but it this is coming out of Piper doing that shit where he was fighting multiple people and at the end of it he had like three guys that looked like us and John Tenta. Yeah. And now they're all they're all dressed like fucking um Celtic warriors or something. Or like those fucking guys you see on ESPN three they're like folk fucking throwing logs over power cords or whatever you know what I'm talking about. Yes. (laughs) 
what happens when you get guys who are past their prime and they've got a ton of money and they're on a ton of drugs? <laughs> so Piper shows up with the ESPN three crowd and um, he doesn't really say anything. He's just like, I'm Roddy Piper and here's my shit team. And, and, and they go on their way. Um, and then the opening match at Club La Vila is high voltage. Ronnie Rage and Kenny Chaos versus Steve McMichael and Jeff Jarrett. Steve McMichael and Jeff Jarrett. Let's just keep beating that dead horse, why don't we? Mm-hmm. The storyline that the storyline that wouldn't end. Christ. And nobody gave a shit when High Voltage came out. That's that was the first. Like they showed Piper and shit on the fucking screen, but the first thing they wanted to get a reaction from live was high voltage and high voltage comes out to their music. That sounds like it just sounds like you threw a fucking core in a fish tank. And I, um, basically did my Mongo Jarrett together rule. And didn't watch it. And at the end of this match, Steve McMichael and Garrett most probably I don't know how they won, but I refuse to watch any more matches with Jeff Jarrett and Steve Mongo McMichael team. It's understandable. It's <laughs> Jeff Jarrett. I'm sure somehow one of them got hit with a briefcase and Deborah was just like, I don't know. Yeah. Jesus it's, Christ. Jeff Jarrett has always sucked. He was awful. <laughs> when I was a kid, I'd see him on TV and it was like, why is he on my TV? He doesn't look like he belongs there. And when you're a kid, you don't understand what the term "go away heat" is. But you realize that this—you realize as you get older, this guy had "go away heat" with me when I was a kid. Oh, <laughs> the southern version of X Pac. <laughs> so Steve McMichael and Jeff Jarrett win that match, and then Mean Gene he comes out and he's going to interview Roddy Piper and his joke squad, and they all come out. And um, Piper um, says that he heard that on WWF Raw, Vince McMahon said they don't have any one-hipped wrestlers. And he says, that's right. You don't have any hip wrestlers. You don't have one hip wrestler on your show. Yeah. Well, it's like we've discussed on the show before. You never knew, as great as he was, I would never take anything away from him. Such a talent. But sometimes you never knew which Roddy you were going to get. You know, one week it's Roddy Piper, and he is the great Roddy Piper that you remember. And then the next week he is just a fucking train wreck. I always thought he peaked after he turned on, or after WrestleMania 3, that was it. Whatever he had was gone after that point because he just kept coming back and getting sadder and sadder. Yeah. And the interviews got worse and worse. 
the the only the only thing that that I will say that uh, after I agree with you after WrestleMania three after that the only great piece of business I'll say that he did was from Rumble ninety two to WrestleMania eight, and then the match with Brett at WrestleMania eight. But yeah, other than that, he just I don't know he just went off the rails. You know, he was, but cocaine will do that to you, and he was just doing it for a paycheck. Yeah. So Pipes says. Um, you're right, you don't have one hip wrestler on your show, which hip hadn't even been like a thing since like, like 76. <laughs> like, have you got like we're all kind of the same age? Like, I'm 39, Nate, you're like 57. I'm 43. 43. <laughs> Ian, you're how old? I'll be 41 uh, next week. All right, have you ever looked at one of your buddies and been like, dude, you're hip? No. <laughs> I think nice. a couple. I think a couple. I think a couple of days ago, I looked at one, one of my buddies. And went, dude, my hip. But yeah. no, I didn't. I didn't well, say your hip. Was doing. He's <laughs> trying to do this here, but it's like none of us, even in '97, were like, oh man, my buddy Carl over there, he's hip. Like it never happened. Showing that he's out of out of sync with the crowd of the day. Yeah. Um, Piper then says that the schlubs he's in the ring with, and I'm, I, I say schlubs, I, I, I really don't want to like put John Tenta in this group because I'm like an earthquake fan. I like earthquake, but he's in there. <laughs> like he's, it, the, is, it, it is what it is. He's in there. Like he's like, these schlubs are my schlubs. We're all hip. You know, I'll never walk away from him. And then the horsemen come out and they're going to this uncensored pay-per-view trying to say, you know, you got team NWO, team WCW, like go in there with us. And Pipe's like, I'm never going to leave my friends. These are my guys. And then like three minutes in, he's like, okay, (laughs) we're good. And he's just abandons his friends and says that he'll team with the fucking horseman going in uncensored. Piper is the most schizophrenic fucking dude ever. Like, he drove up in his white limo, watched this fucking high voltage Steve McMichael, Jeff Jarrett match, was like, guys, I'm with you. I'm always going to be with you. You guys are my friends. And 20 minutes in, he's like, fuck it. You guys are done. You know what would have been a great follow-up segment to this? So they all pulled up in the limo, right? After the break, after the segment, you go outside and they're all hailing a cab. (laughs) (laughs) Was Sullivan booking at this point? Yeah. He was definitely on the committee. I don't know how many they had on their committee at this point, but yeah, he was. This has just got awful. (laughs) <laughs> they all just get in a fucking John Tenta's Astro van <laughs> drive away see them out there hitchhiking with their bags <laughs> still got their still got their kilts on mm-hmm. Roddy said we wouldn't need pants and it's not even like like real bags like zip bags it's like half bags mm-hmm. standing out there like Mickey Jane <laughs> So Piper tells Flair, yeah, I'll take your team. 
Um, I'll dump these schlubs. So we're going into uncensored, and it's going to be Team NWO, Team WCW, Team Piper. And Piper's going to have, I think it's fucking Benoit and somebody else. I don't fucking know. But he, he threw out his schlubs, and he took those new people. Um, the next match is a TV championship match between TV champion Prince Iakea and his opponent is Squire Dave Taylor. So Prince Iakea is a little bit out of his league here. Very much out of his <laughs> league. Um, Dave Taylor to me is a guy that I think is super underrated and um, should probably still be teaching people how to wrestle. And I think he's, I, I, this might, Nate, this might piss you off a little bit, not piss you off a little bit, but might be out of the field. I think he's training wise and teaching people how to work wise on a Steve Regal level. Oh no, definitely. And, like, and as far Dave, as and, and a Dave Finley level, like Squire David Taylor was really fucking good. Mm-hmm. You know what's funny about him is he has always looked old, but he still looks the same as he did then. Like he's, he's Morgan Freeman. He's yeah, he's just always looked old. But no, I, I won't disagree with you on that. I mean, obviously, I'm going to say I think Regal's better in the ring. But, I mean, that's taking nothing away from Taylor. He's fantastic, you know. But, yeah, and a super good trainer. And probably the only thing that he lacked was was Mike skills. Which, honestly, like, I've watched, like, WCW Saturday Nights, which nobody else watches, where they let him talk and they let him do his thing because they were like, man, nobody's watching this shit. And and he was really fucking good on that shit. Like like, I don't even think that his promo was terrible. I just think the guy. How do I say it? Like he showed up in this country at the wrong time. Does that make sense? Like if he would have showed up in like ninety three, I think people would have been talking about Dave Taylor differently. In my opinion, but. Dave Taylor and Prince I.K. have this match. And obviously, they don't really talk about or show this match too much. Because the NWO shows up in their black Hummer. Because Piper showed up in a white one. And as they're walking to the building, um, Michael Wall Street just collapses. Like... The NWO is walking. There's Mike Wall Street. Boom, he's done. And they all turn around like, oh, shit. Michael Wall Street's taken out. And nobody knows what, nobody knows who took him out. It's the same thing they did with Big Bubba last week. Basically, the fucking um, schlubs of the NWO are just dropping like flies. And everybody else is just like, eh, whatever. But Michael Wall Street's taken out, and um, while this is all happening, Prince Iakea rolls up Dave Taylor with the one, two, three, 
and retains his TV title, and nobody gives a shit. <laughs> it's, it sounds like a, most of WCW, unless it involved bringing the main guys. Nobody gave a shit. Yeah, yeah. They're just... You're right, though. I mean, they... they uh they, they, it's it's so amazing because they had such a strong talent base on the undercard, but booking that talent base was just a train wreck ninety percent of the time. Just you know, because you get like you said, nobody nobody of any importance gave a shit. No, so that well, they didn't market them. They were just there to be a body on TV to get to the next big segment. Mm-hmm. Like Michael Wall Street had a slip and fall, and everybody's just like, "All right, we're good." <laughs> it's Michael Wall Street. Yeah, he was okay in the ring, but it's not like it was Kevin Nash or Scott Hall that collapsed. Yeah. Which that probably happened after the show, but yes, pull the quad. Right, <laughs> well, drunkenly there at Club La Vila. Mm-hmm. This is the same place that Marcus Bagwell talks about that story where Eric Bischoff. Um, Talked about Kevin Nash and Scott Hall showing up drunk and was bitching at him or whatever. And and Nash was like, they just keep giving us shit. And Bishop was like, no, they're not. No, they're not. And Kevin Nash said he looked up at the crowd was like, give me a drink. And some chick dropped him a drink and it landed right in his hand. He was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And Mark Bagwell was like, that was some James Bond shit. And he's like, fucking right. <laughs> walking. But anyway. So Prince Ikea, he beat fucking Dave Taylor to retain his TV championship. And then guess what the next match is? I can't even imagine. It's going to bring the fucking. Luckily, there weren't rafters or they would have came down. Because the next match is Jim Powers with his <laughs> manager, Teddy Long versus Eddie Guerrero for the U.S. Championship. One of these things is not like the other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Dean Malenko, oh, I don't have anything to say about this going into it? Nope. No. <laughs> Dean Malenko's on headset talking about how Eddie is jealous of his talents and um, Eddie is a cheater and he's trying to tell everybody about how shitty this is actually the match itself isn't cool but what Dean's doing is cool okay if that'll make sense what Dean is doing is talking about basically you guys don't know the real Eddie Guerrero like, he's talking about how jealous Eddie is of him, and you guys don't understand what Eddie is and was. Like, in Mexico, he was this, that, and everything. Like, he's he's telling you that Eddie's not the guy that you think he is. And in the past, this guy was a piece of shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and, and and he's playing, a, he's, he's playing y'all. And that's what he's saying. Um, and that the, you know, Nate, we were talking before about how Eddie came out and got involved in the match and, and cost Dean 
the cruiserweight championship or whatever to x-pac not x-pac at this time but six he's saying that that's the eddie guerrero that i know and you guys are all just like i didn't know that type of guy existed and he's like no that's the guy that i've always known it's kind of a cool angle Mm -hmm. and you know i know you said you didn't like wcw but that was the cool thing that wcw did over WWF at the time was they would acknowledge shit that wasn't something that happened in their product. Yeah, wasn't canon in their storyline. So. Yeah. Like in WWF when you went there, and I'm not knocking it because I love the WWF, but in WWF once you showed up there, it's like everything you did before don't didn't exist. Yeah. WCW, they, they'd acknowledge that shit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a cool angle. Um, and at the end of this match, um, Eddie ends up obviously winning. He bumps powers into long and his frog splash, one, two, three. And that's the end of it. This is a, uh, this is, uh, I don't have anything to say on the match, but this is the era of chubby Teddy long. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like Eddie Guerrero. I was never a fan of Dean Malenko. I saw their his live matches with Eddie in ECW, and it was just it looked too much like a performance and not like a struggle, which is what I enjoy seeing. Um, I saw I forget one of the ones that's freaking out there. They were at the fairgrounds. I must have been the only guy in the arena that, or at the fairgrounds that was just sitting there like, can we get to a wrestling match and not guys doing tumbling for friggin' 45 minutes? <laughs> All smooth transitions into, you, you know, the so 15 that, pin attempts. That was that was what, 95 when they had those the ECW series or was it 94? 94 or 95. I'm pretty certain it was 95 because I think they they jumped to WCW right after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was, I think one of the things for that was you had the combination of the, the ECW crowd, you know, which was, was prided themselves on being different than a WWF or a WCW crowd. Plus that wasn't a style that you saw here in the States very much. Yeah. So I think that's what really helped them get over with those matches. You mm-hmm. know? I'm a demon. It's not, I didn't think he wasn't a good wrestler. He just wasn't the kind of wrestler I like seeing. Right. And I know we all have different opinions. He he, he has the personality of drywall. (laughs) And that's what makes America great, is we all have great, different opinions. I love Dean Malenko. He's one of my favorites, and Nate knows that. Mm -hmm. Um, And (laughs) one of my favorite things about Dean Malenko is that like you said, like when the he he was like a Brad Armstrong mm-hmm. from everything I understand. When the camera came on, nothing. Mm-hmm. But the minute that light turned off, the funniest dude in the room. Unless he was working against Chris Jericho for the cruiserweight title, then he was okay. He had a personality. And see, and see, that's one of the things I was gonna say. Like Jericho talks about him in his book, and he said like. Dean was like that. Like when the camera would come on, he'd be like fucking 
fucking wheat toast, like nothing going mm-hmm. on. But if you're just hanging with the dude, he's funny as fuck. Like Jericho said they were at a strip club and this like super skinny stripper got up on the pole and he looked at Chris. He's like, I don't know if I should give her a dollar or a food stamp. (laughs) (laughs) Shit like that. It's like, that's a funny fucking joke. But the next match, unless you guys have anything else about um, the five star match between Jim Powers and Eddie Guerrero is um, Dallas Page, Diamond Dallas Page versus the Pitbull Craig Pittman. You don't have to elaborate. (laughs) In my notes, it says, this is Dog the Bounty Hunter versus Rock. (laughs) Not the Rock. Rock. (laughs) (laughs) Remember from that sitcom from from, from easily forgotten sitcom Rock. Rock. <laughs> Do you guys remember that? That's what yeah. I was sitting there looking at. This is Dog the Bounty Hunter versus Rock. And it's fucking brutal. Jesus Christ. Those are my notes. <laughs> There's not much to say about it. Another guy never got the appeal of DDP. <laughs> DDP is fucking trash. Like he had Two good feuds. Like he only had two good feuds his entire career. Mm-hmm. And um, it wasn't until I started actually, like before this, I was like, man, his feud with Savage was really good. But that's because it was fucking Randy Savage. Mm-hmm. You know I mean? But I've been also um, making notes and doing research for this other show that I'm going to do here in a little bit and Nate's going to be mad because he got another fucking show that he's going to have to fucking record about the 100 greatest fucking pay-per-view matches of of, of the 90s. DDP is going to eventually get into a really good feud with Chris Benoit. And I know we shouldn't even talk about that, guys. It doesn't bother me. I like the matches. All right. Uh, I like his matches too. So, um, at a certain point, you have to say it's been fifteen years. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, like when- the only the only times that I enjoy DDP is his matches with Randy Savage and his matches with Chris Benoit, and we're gonna roll into those eventually. But right now, we're not there. This was fucking brutal, and I fucking hate. Diamond Dallas, like Diamond Dallas Page, is only second to Brutus Beefcake in my list of just god awful goddamn wrestlers. <laughs> goddamn hip hugging jeans. <laughs> Hulk Hogan said it best in one of his promos: "Creepy looking dude." <laughs> he was. That's a shoot, brother. <laughs> I, I remember seeing him and not knowing what the hell was on his arms because it didn't look like tattoos. He looked like he had a fungus growing on him. <laughs> his fucking ramen noodle hair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's fucking garbage. And and he doesn't he doesn't I'm glad I'm not the only person that hates fucking <laughs> Like even as a kid. 
Like, there's wrestlers that I look at when I was a kid. I'm like, oh, I, I liked that guy as a kid. And then I get older and I'm like, no, I didn't. I, I don't know why I liked that guy. Like, Warrior's that way. You know what I mean? Like, I liked Warrior as a kid. And as the older I've gotten, I've been like, eh. I've watched his matches now and I know him as a person. I shouldn't say I know him as a person or like well, I you know that you know that he was a dirtbag as a person. I know that he was a dirtbag and I've heard the shit he said or whatever. And then I'm like, eh, I'm right for not liking him now. I didn't even like DDP as a kid. I was like, this guy's fucking trash with his goddamn skinny jeans and his fucking work boots. It's like fuck off. South Jersey salesman. <laughs> I actually the the uh, the only time I really like you said, Aaron, with the feud with pa- with Savage was good, but the only time that I I thought DDP was more well suited for what he did earlier in his career was being a manager. Not even sucked then. Yeah, <laughs> it's just never a guy I got into. His I don't know, like a lot of the guys on WCW, he came across as second rate. Best thing he ever did was Kimberly Page. Yeah. <laughs> then he when he went to WWF, they tried to put the hype machine behind him, and everybody was like, eh. Yes. <laughs> Who was it that said, you suck then and you suck now? Like when Shane was talking about Hulk Hogan and XPW. You know, he's like, you suck then and you suck now. That's how I kind of want to look at the fucking DDP. Like, yeah. In the room right now, I'd be like, you know what? You sucked then and you suck now. See you, car salesman of wrestlers. <laughs> fucking. Fucking. Um, Dog, the, Dog the Bounty Hunter beats Rock with a diamond cutter. And then Mean Jeans going to attempt to interview DDP. And guess what happens? Interrupted. It doesn't get interrupted by a wrestler. It gets interrupted by nobody paying the bills because the fucking lights shut out. Like the entire club of just goes dark. And Paige and Gene are just standing in the middle of a dark ring. There's no lights. Fucking Paige's hair is like blowing in the fucking beach wind. And he's talking, and you can't hear shit. <laughs> and Shivani just goes, I don't know what's going on. We'll be right back. <laughs> it's the best way to take care of it. I don't know what's going on. We'll be right back, though. And then yep. they come back, and there's still nothing. Like, the power's still out. So there's just, like, this helicopter shot of this fucking dark beachfront nightclub. Brought to you by Pet Boys. Yes. Mm-hmm. Pet Boys and fucking Lee Marshall's gonna tell you what's happening and all this shit. 1-800-COLLECT. <laughs> so then they eventually come back and DDP cuts a promo that I'm assuming is the same promo he tried to cut twice and he calls out Randy Savage, and Randy Savage doesn't show up. 
but he's just saying he wants to fight Randy. And then the next match is Rey Mysterio Jr. versus Galaxy. I don't know the fuck Galaxy is, but Galaxy is a luchador and he's fighting Rey Mysterio and they have a somewhat decent lucha match. Um, Galaxy almost falls in the pool. Like, this is if you guys, I should have prefaced this by saying that they're in Club La Vila, so the ring is basically suspended over a pool. And Galaxy almost falls in it. And you can tell he's just like, that's supposed to be a gimmick for a little bit. I better not fall in it. So he doesn't fall in it. And Rey Mysterio ends up pinning um, Galaxy with a West Coast pop, which they obviously don't call it at that time. But that's what he beats him with. And... um. Before I go into hour number two, I'll ask you guys this. This is a fun question that I try to ask people sometimes. Um, like, sometimes I like to ask a, I like to ask people that are wrestling fans, is this guy a WCW or NWA or WWF guy? In you guys' opinion, is Rey Mysterio a WCW guy? Or a WWE guy? At this point, I would call him a WWE guy. Yeah. Yeah, he's... Everything that he's known for at this point all is from the WWF. It's not from what he did in WCW or even ECW. Does that question make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and, and to, to, again, to guys like us that we're watching at this time in the eighties and the nineties, we are, you know, fluent in his WCW career, but at this point, I mean, he's been in the WWF. This is 2022 in August. It'll be literally 20 years. So yeah. I mean, you got to say he's a WWE guy. Yeah. Like, like, and we'll go forward later on with like the question, but it's, it would almost be like, like if I asked you guys, Oh, Lex Luger, is he a WCW guy or a WWF guy? WCW. WCW. You know what I mean? So anyway, are you guys good going forward in hour number two? Yep. yep. All right. Hour number two. More hype about Dennis Rodman going into the NWO. I fucking hate Dennis Rodman. That is like, he's one of my least favorite fucking like wrestling celebrities. Like what did Dennis Rodman ever bring to fucking wrestling? Other he than was, a other than a large poofy hat and a few eyes? Eh. Nothing. No. Nothing. Terrible. Drugs and boys. He, he never even he never even what do I want to say? He never even learned he never even showed the initiative to learn the craft. Mm-mm. N- nor in the ring, nor on the mic. You know, you can say what you want about Mike Tyson, but wrestling celebrity-wise, even though he didn't wrestle. Tyson Mike, was fantastic. Yeah, Tyson always brought a personality. And, you know, when you watch Mike Tyson on wrestling TV, it's entertaining. You can tell he's a fan. You know, he loved it. And 
Rodman was the complete opposite. I'll even say Carl Malone. Carl Malone actually. Carl Malone was fuck. He showed up in shape, and he looked fucking good. Kevin Federline is a better goddamn wrestling personality <laughs> than fucking Dennis Rodman. Yeah, at least Federline healed it up good. Yeah, Rodman fuck. just showed up because it was a paycheck. <laughs> mm-hmm. So they have some more hype for fucking Rodman. And then Mean Gene introduces John Sessanel. <laughs> that is not a goddamn idea. He was an MTV VJ. Uh, that's why I don't know who he is. <laughs> in, in 1998, John Sessanel, and he brings out Pamela Rogers. Nope. She is a big titty blonde. That is Miss Nitro. I hate to cut you off. The beach. I hate to cut you off, but the last MTV personalities I even know are Kurt Loder and Kennedy. So, (laughs) yeah, and that homeless kid, Puck, Jesse. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) I remember Puck. Remember Puck? No, he was on the Real World. I never watched that. Thankfully. Yeah, Puck was on the real world, and there was, uh, what that fucking, there was that dude that looked like Kevin Kelly, and he was the guy that lost to fucking Jesse on the fucking, never mind, we're getting, we're getting, <laughs> getting in the weeds. Yeah. <laughs> Remember when they had you vote for fucking VJs on MTV? Yes. Yeah, VJ for yeah. a week. Yeah. Remember the box? Do you guys remember the box? I love the box. Did you guys have the box where you lived, Ian? No. It was a it was a it was I'll a video in the box. It was a video channel. Mm-hmm. But you you actually like would call and request songs. We had or, something like that on PBS on like Saturday nights at like 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. That's how I found out who uh MIA was. Okay. But not really. <laughs> we had the box, and the box would, it was basically a televised jukebox, and people could pick songs, and you'd see, like, when a song was showing up, so you'd be like, oh, fucking Fantastic Voyage by Coolio's coming up. So then you'd take your fucking boombox and hold it up at the TV <laughs> and, and wait to hit fucking record, because your mom's, she ain't gonna pay for that goddamn tape single. <laughs> That's two fifty. <laughs> you got fucking bills to pay and shit, and then you'd have to play it or hit record to fucking record the goddamn song off the fucking TV. People don't know. They don't know. They have Fuck no idea. Goddamn shit. But anyway, where was I at? Anyway, Pamela Rogers comes out. This fucking John's sons or whatever. Um Pamela Rogers, she's this big titty blonde, and she is Miss Nitro. They found her on the beach. Here she is. Um, and you guys didn't see her, so you don't know. But um, I put in my notes, I'm going with either Scott Hall or Buff Bagwell fucked her that night. <laughs> or maybe both. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of, of hips, speaking of hips, apparently Scott Hall broke his hip. 
I saw that. <laughs> I know. I went back <laughs> like I went back like forty minutes in the show saying, "Speaking of hips," but. <laughs> All right, but what's we, next? I guarantee somebody, one of these fucking wrestlers banged this Pamela Rogers, and she's going to wind up on a dark side of the ring eventually. And it's going to end somebody's fucking career. Mm-hmm. Like, Pittman's going to be like, I I can't even work at the Waffle House anymore. He's like, put it in her butt. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> She thought he was rock. <laughs> he said he was a big star. I, I thought I was out for that night. He asked if I seen his sitcom. I thought <laughs> I was gonna get on TGIF. <laughs> Jamal White was in the corner, like, did I do that? <laughs> Isn't that Urkel's name? Yeah, J- Jaleel. Jaleel White. Jaleel White was like, did I do that? <laughs> and it's like, Rock was like, this rape was filmed in front of a studio audience. <laughs> anyway, the next match is the amazing French Canadians, Greg Valentine and Roadblock <laughs> versus the giant Rick Steiner, Scott Steiner, and Lex Luger. Do you got have you got either of you guys ever watched the cooking show Chopped? No. Okay, so the 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 um the gist of the show is these these chefs have they get a basket and it's like you have to make an a, a great appetizer and then they open the basket and in the basket it's like you have a rutabaga a filet mignon steak, sweet tarts, and corn. And they have to use all these things to make a dish. That's what I thought of when you gave that first tag team. I was like, it was, it's like, here's, here's a basket. You have Greg Valentine, Roadblock. <laughs> and the amazing French Canadians. One of these things is not like the other. <laughs> Go ahead. Facing the giant Rick Steiner, Scott Steiner, and Lex Luger. And in this match, (laughs) in this match, and and by the way, we were talking about Team WCW, Team NWO, and Team fucking Piper. Mm -hmm. This is Team WCW. The giant Rick Steiner, Scott Steiner, Lex Luger. Team WCW wins. Surprise, surprise. And in this match, Rick, it's actually a terrible match, but the couple things that happen are pretty fucking impressive. Scott Steiner, fucking belly to belly's roadblock, just drops this meatloaf fucking, fucking motherfucker on his. Like, he looks like if, if you took a picture of meatloaf. The, the guy, like, I know he's dead. But, like, if you took a picture of Meatloaf and, like, expanded the picture, that's what he looks like. Fucking Steiner belly to belly is the guy. 
and he pops up and then giant fucking choke slams him. It's goddamn pretty impressive, honestly. And the winners are Team WCW. Enough said about that. Yeah. <laughs> and then Gene interviews Team WCW, which there's nothing to report there because take an incoherent Steiner Brothers promo and then combine it with um, a Lex Luger um, giant promo, which are the most boring tag team of all time. So WCW though impressive in the fucking match is boring as shit. Um, the next match is Uventud Guerrera versus the Ultimo Dragon, which is a decent match. Um, but it is just what it is. Um, the only note I have is, um, Uventud was not as good as I remember him being. You're right. He's, you know, at the, at the time, I mean, as far as the luchadors in WCW goes, he kind of stood out at times with, I, I think more because he was, he was a smaller framed guy. So when he flew around or when he took bumps, it looked a little more impressive. But you're right now. Nowadays, when you look back at it and see all the other great talent that's that's come and gone, he's 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 middle of the pile at best. Yeah. So Ultimo beats um, Uvi, and then the next match is Chris Jericho versus Scotty Riggs. And my note is Chris Jericho versus Scotty Riggs. Huh. <laughs> I don't know why this is happening. And the match happens, and Buff Bagwell comes out, and he is wearing a tiny tank top, um, shorty shorts, and combat boots, and he attacks Buff Bagwell. Or, or Buff Bagwell attacks Scotty Ranks, sorry. So Buff Bagwell is in this little shrunken tank top, these booty shorts, and some combat boots, and he's stomping Scotty Riggs. I got nothing from me. I have nothing to comment. Your description says it all. I'm not a fan of Jericho, but Jesus, he's light years behind, beyond either of those guys. Like, somebody should have looked at Bagwell and just been like, no. <laughs> yeah. We understand like, you're trying to get the Fire Island crowd to watch, but not. <laughs> like, he, like, I'm not a homophobe at all. But it looked like a jilted lover. <laughs> Two oily guys with facial hair. Yeah. The, 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 the ambiguous duo, if you will. Yeah, like, he had his little cropped beard. And all that shit, it's like, oh my god. Like really bad. So he attacked Scotty Riggs, and I thought at first it was a no contest, but fucking um, um the referee standing in the ring looking at Bagwell, like I don't know what the fuck's going on, you know. 
Like, I don't want to get involved in this shit. Yeah, it's like, is it, where's the grease pig? I don't know what the fuck's going to happen. <laughs> it is spring break. Yeah, it's like, I don't know what the fuck's happening. I don't need a goat or whatever involved in this. So, but he end up, he ends up um, giving Scotty Riggs the match by disqualification. And then Mean Gene interviews Medusa. She just pops up out of nowhere. Mean Gene's like, oh, we have this women's champion. It's because she's buoyant. Yes. Very buoyant. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I understand. And and Medusa is a good look, was a good looking, I I shouldn't say was because I don't know her now. She was a good looking woman back in the day. But Nate, you and I have been talking about this shit for a little bit. When was the last time we talked about Medusa? It's been... I don't know that we have. Yeah. We've been covering 1997, and I don't know that we've covered with that. She's been on any show you've covered. Yeah. Well, she's on here saying, You guys have been talking all the time about our women's championship in WCW. When? TNA, that's all it was. We We haven't talked about it, but she's like, Luna's out here talking shit about me. Luna Vachon hasn't been on the goddamn show. But then all of a sudden, Luna Vachon is like upset and she attacks Medusa. It's like, where the fuck did this come from? Carryover from Saturday night? I don't even think it was because I've been watching Saturday night. <laughs> WCW Pro. Yeah, this must have happened on Worldwide or something because I didn't see it. But apparently, Medusa and Luna Vachon have some stanky heat. From back in the day. And then Lee Marshall comes in with his 1-800 collect report and says that they're going to some military camp and everybody's eating weasel on a shingle. <laughs> so he this basically sounds like being in a camp. <laughs> he basically he basically calls Bobby Heenan shit. Because when and, you when you eat chip beef on yeah. toast, it's shit on a shingle. So he calls Bobby Heenan shit. And they come back and Bobby's like, what the fuck? <laughs> he doesn't say it. He doesn't say what the fuck, but he's like, who's this Lee Marshall guy? I, I just, and I've discussed it on the show before, but one of my favorite things about Nitro is Bobby Heenan not understanding? Like he's like, what did I ever do to this guy? Yes. This Lee Marshall guy, we've never even met. <laughs> and he's a scumbag. Like, yeah. look at him. That's this show is so erratic; it's not even funny. And my thing with Bobby Heenan is Bobby Heenan's funny. He makes succinct statements. He tells you what's going on. And he looks like a normal man. And when I look at Lee Marshall, I'm like, you look like you'd wind up in fucking, uh, what's that guy, Chris Hansen? Yeah, catch a predator. Yeah, you look like the guy that'd be at the fucking Kitchen Islander with fucking Zimas and... Bag of Funyuns. Bag of Funyuns. Be like, I don't know why I'm here. 
I just didn't want her to get attacked. Yeah, yeah, that's their that's always their story, and they're sticking to it. Yeah. And then they try to run away, and like a dude dressed like a tree tackles them at the end of the yard. That's Lee Marshall. Your one eight hundred rotor. Wasn't he the voice of Tony the Tiger? Yeah. Tony the Tiger getting tackled on the catch a predator. (laughs) (laughs) That was rape. (laughs) Ah, so speaking of rape, guess the next match. It's this guy didn't rape anybody. It but the but the guy he's wrestling is a piece of shit. It's Kevin Sullivan with Jimmy Hart and Jacqueline versus Hard Body Harrison. Oof. Man. This is a what, terrible show. Wasn't he running a freaking prostitution ring or something? He did way more than that. <laughs> I can't remember. I, you gotta, I read so much true crime stuff. Some of it, the, the smaller ones freaking melt into my brain and disappear. We could do an entire fucking three fucking segment show on goddamn Hard Body Harrison. He was so fucking terrible. And he's still alive. But this guy was just trash. Like, he did a prostitution ring. And, um, uh, how do I not to put over somebody else's podcast. I don't give a shit if I put somebody else's podcast over. You listen to Crime and Sports? No. Listen to Crime and Sports. Mm-hmm. And they have a whole thing on hard body. And I knew about it before I listened to that. But that dude would, like, prey on, like, chicks. They Like, like he'd see some chick at the mall. Yeah. Just standing out there by herself having nothing going on and being like, hey, get in my van and then get them to get in their van and then fucking basically put them into a life of like submission and prostitution. He was a pimp. Yeah, but he was even worse than a pimp. Like he, Pimps are pretty bad. <laughs> I don't think it's pretty bad, but this guy was even fucking worse. So watching Kevin Sullivan beat the shit out of this guy was like, man, I think Kevin Sullivan actually knew what this guy was and was like kicking the shit out of him for like legit. Mm-hmm. Um, It's Kevin Sullivan versus Hardbody Harrison. Hardbody's Hardbody Harrison. I put in my notes, one of the biggest pieces of shits in history and not even just wrestling history, just in general. Um, Jackie and Sullivan beat him up um, and they fucking beat his ass in onto the beach and they brought him back and they beat him up some more and Jackie's just punching the shit out of him and all this shit's going on. It's a double count out and then they throw this fucker into the pool and that's the end of it. And then Mean Gene interviews Kevin Sullivan, and um, they say that they're too legit to quit. 
like Kevin Sullivan has this black girlfriend now, mm-hmm. and and he's learned some hip jive talk <laughs> from at least six three, years ago, from 1993, <laughs> and now he's slick as shit, and he's kicked the shit out of a fucking Detroit pimp, and he's like, I'm too legit to fit. Whoop! Here I am. Whoop! Yeah. There I went. <laughs> We beat oh, my, oh my God, Jackie, look at her butt. We beat him up onto the beach. It was a fantastic voyage. <laughs> anyway. Gangster, Ke- Gangster Kevin Sullivan, not working. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what else did he say? We stepped on that I stepped on that hot sand. And I was like, oh, shit, I'm a hot stepper. Move on, Aaron. Uh, <laughs> we're smoke after Nitro. Um, the NWO then comes out, and there's a wrinkle in this situation because, as I alluded to last week, Randy Savage is joining the NWO. And, you know, Randy Savage was hanging out with Sting. Remember that, Nate? Yes. Now Sting is with the NWO as they enter the ring, but he's hanging back. Like the NWO comes out, Sting is in the background. He's not really commenting on anything. Um, They do more um, Dennis Rodman jerk-off type shit. Like, oh, Dennis Rodman here, he's not here, but he's going to be. and then they um, put the NWO shirt on Sting's shoulder, but he doesn't take it. And then the Outsiders cut a promo on the Steiners, and then Macho Man cuts a promo on DDP, and the NWO leaves. That's their thing. Um, and then that's not the end of the show, which it should have been. But guess what the end of the show is? It's Mean Gene trying to interview the public enemy, but then the Harlem Heat attacks the public enemy, and they brawl, and they talk about how, like, oh my god, there's this feud going on between the public enemy and the Harlem Heat, and um, everything's uncensored, we don't know what's going on, and that's the end of the show. That seems a little... Um, like, the maybe those two segments should have been reversed? I don't know. Yeah. It's- yeah, I like the public enemy, but they're not the main event on the biggest uh, for the biggest freaking company in the world at that right. <laughs> yeah, seriously though, those segments should have been now, if they let Booker T talk the way he wanted to talk, it could have been entertaining. They could have gotten up there on the card, but you know mm-hmm. FCC and everything like that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, end of this fucking terrible nitro. It was a horrible nitro. Sounded terrible. Yeah, it did. (laughs) Snooze fest. (laughs) It was fucking terrible. And we're going into, in my opinion, as a, um, I think it was 14 at the time, kid, I turned on the USA Network. Is I'm gonna watch WWF Raw, and it is not WWF Raw. It is 
Brawl is War. And it is goddamn explosions and mayhem at the beginning of it. Thorn in my eye. And I'm just like, what the fuck is happening? And I'm like that fucking, you ever seen that meme with fucking um, Elmo where the goddamn mushroom cloud is in front of him and he's just like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. Me. Okay. And like I said, I, I, I'm not, I don't want to keep eating up too long. But as I'm watching this, my brother, who is Nate, is at work. And he used to tell me, you fucking record raw. You hit record on the VHS. I want to see it. And I hit it. And I was just like, yeah, he's going to see fucking Barry Horowitz versus Aldo Montoya or whatever. Whatever. I don't give a fuck. But when this happened, I was waiting all fucking day and night for my brother to come home from work to be like, you fucking missed it. This is fucking great. Okay? So, shit's going down. This is, this, this is and, and, and WWF haters can piss up a rope because this, to me, is a landmark episode of professional wrestling television. It changed everything. Like this, this night, this March tenth, nineteen ninety seven, changed everything. Yeah, I remember when they switched from it just being Raw to Raw is War, and the show got a fuckload better. Oh yeah, this was oh, yeah. like required watching in our house. My cousins and I didn't matter what was going on. If somebody was at work, we'd fill them in when they got home. What was going happening? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they turned up. They turned the volume up from five to twelve. Mm-hmm. So fucking shit explodes. There's a Titan Tron, which nobody had ever seen before, and the first guy to make his like the first guy ever on Raw is War, Sid Vicious, which is cool. Sid comes out. Um, he's he comes out with the WWF Championship. Um, he has to team with Undertaker tonight, which he doesn't want to do. Um, Sid, um, um, basically is not wanting to team with him and says that the Undertaker is in the cemetery. He's going to put him in the cemetery once and for all. Um, doesn't want to team with him. Undertaker interrupts the promo and. Um, in so many words says fuck off I don't want to team with you either Um, get the fuck out of here and then Paul Bearer comes out and he has Vader and Sid or Vader and Sid Vader and Mankind with him because Sid and Taker have to team up to fight Vader and Mankind later tonight and they all start brawling Um. Um, Vader and Mankind are very um, ineffective when they attack Sid and the Undertaker. Like, they beat him off. Beat him off. That's weird. Jesus. <laughs> That'll get your ratings. Sounds <laughs> <laughs> about explosions. But, um, basically, the gist of the beginning of the show and the theme throughout the show is... Sid and Taker have to team, even though they're feuding, they don't want to, and they have to fight Vader and Mankind later, who are managed by Paul Bearer. 
And I know all of this at this point in pro wrestling, or what we used to call pro wrestling, which is now whatever it is, is all very played out. But a story like this back then with the two opponents for WrestleMania having to team together and et cetera, et cetera, was not something that we saw. So this was, you know, this was groundbreaking. Like I said, this was revolutionary. And you had three guys that had name recognition and a fourth guy in Mankind who was about to become gigantic. Right. Yep. Like, this shit, you didn't... Um, you didn't pop off raw like this before. No. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like there was some WCW shit that did that, and but but raw never just popped off. Was just like boom, explosions. Here it all is. Bah, 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 whatever. Like this this shit. Even now, I watched it and I was like, this is fucking cool. Like when I watched it, I'm like, I'm whoever's gonna be on this show with me. I'm like looking forward to talking to about this because even as a fucking 40 year old dude i'm just like this shit was cool well they they made the they made everybody on the show look like a star even if they weren't mm-hmm. yeah. so i really enjoyed the opening of this and then they go to commercial and they come back and it is the intercontinental champion rocky mayavea versus tony roy and I know we all know who Tony Roy is, but this Rocky Mayavaya guy, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, whatever became of him, I don't, I don't know. That fucking dickhead-looking haircut. <laughs> but as Rock, they they do a cool thing. Did anybody? I'm sorry, Aaron. I don't want to cut you off. Has ahead. anybody? Has anybody ever overachieved <laughs> like that cat? I mean, let's be honest. Like, yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, I try to tell people this all the time. Like, I'll I'll tell somebody, "Oh, I like wrestling," and they're like, eh. "And they kind of I don't I don't want to get too into the weeds, but they try to be like, eh, whatever." But it's like, okay, Dwayne Johnson. They're like, "What about him?" I'm like, "That's the most talented motherfucker on the face of the planet." And and I, do I like all of his movies? No, but. He's the most talented motherfucker on the face of the fucking planet. And and he learned most of it by being a fucking professional wrestler. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They let him do his promo at WrestleMania with that freaking one of Bill Clinton's freaking chicks. That's when he became The Rock. Yeah. Yeah. Like, hung jury. That dude can sing. He can play the game. Like, fucking Dwayne Johnson, you could sit him down and just tell him to do whatever you want him to do, and he fucking does it. And like, well, I like you said, I don't want to get off in the weeds, but you said sing, play a guitar. Think about the rock concert stuff, or the shit with Hurricane, or, because to me, to be perfectly honest, in pro wrestling, that, that 2003 Hollywood rock is my favorite run he ever had. You know, Colin Hurricane the Hamburglar and and all that shit he did. It was so good. But the guy, again, you can't argue with it. So charismatic. And, yeah, just the, the probably the biggest overachiever in the history of the business. So during this match, um, the Iron Sheik, Bob Backlund, and the Sultan come out. So it's the Iron Sheik, Bob Backlund, and Rakishi come out and they're yelling at the rock the entire match um 
And Bob Backlund, who I'm a huge fan of, says one of the funniest lines I've ever heard in my entire life. He says, sit down and stand up while I'm talking to you. (laughs) Sit down and stand up. (laughs) Feel Bob Backlund was great. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, There's a point where he's like, it wasn't on this show, but it was like in like a 95 Raw. He was talking about the kids in school. They shouldn't be learning about condominiums in school. I think that was during the Philadelphia thing when he was, yeah. Mm-hmm. And at this time, isn't he doing like the the uh, the glasses with the flip up sunglasses on him too? Yeah. yeah, yeah, so good. Stand up and sit down while I'm talking to you. Um, and then Rocky ends up beating this Tony Roy guy with a he hits an awesome cross body block. It actually is pretty good and ends up pinning him one, two, three. And then post-match, um, Rocky runs off Bob Backlund, the Sultan, and um, the Iron Sheik. And then the next match, they're going to bring out um, their, their luchadors. Like, this is WWF trying to somewhat counteract WCW doing the um, cruiserweight division. They didn't do it as good in my opinion. I could be wrong. But it's heavy metal, Pentagon, and Pyroth versus the Latin lover, Octagon, and Hector Hector Garza. And during this match, um, the Bionic Woman, as they call her, is shown in the crowd and she is dragged out by officials. If you guys don't know, the bionic woman is China. Um, and that match is won by Hector Garza and his team. And then Brian Pillman returns and hypes being on, um, shotgun Saturday night and says that he is the ammunition for the, God, he's just being Brian Pillman. He's just talking a bunch of shit and saying that um, basically in the midnight hour, you don't want to hear what Brian Pillman's going to have to say, and he's going to be um, unedited. Um, I Note, notice as Aaron is recapping this, everyone, how rapid fire all of this is. Yeah, you know, yeah, they they are not unlike our friends over at Club La Vila. They ain't fucking around over this here. Show, yeah, this show is in no way trying to lose your attention. And um, I don't say this very much because I don't want to. I, I don't like to harp on like guys that left and um, guys that or or uh, what could have been. But I think if he wouldn't have died. Brian Pillman would have been so much of a bigger fucking topic in wrestling if he would have been in the Attitude Era. Oh, no doubt. God, no doubt. I I think to be honest with you, I, 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 nineteen ninety eight Brian Pillman. I, I've had this conversation with people before. I don't think 
with his physical condition, to be honest with you, that he would have wrestled much longer. No. But I think that as a personality, as a commentator, as a second for someone, as a mouthpiece, something like that, he would have been an integral part of the Attitude Era. No doubt. Honestly, I could see him managing, you know, like La Resistance or something, who sucked Mm -hmm. up like just that arrogant heels with that asshole shithead manager. Yeah. Most definitely. So, um, the next thing we... I, I don't want to talk too much about... I know, I know you guys talked about it, but like Brian Pillman, I think Brian Pillman would have been... How do I want to say it? Like... I still see Brett leaving. I still see all that shit happening. And I see Brett with DX or, or, or Pillman with DX. I honestly do. Like, I think he would have been part of that. I think he would have been. I, I just, I love to think about what Brian Pillman would have been able to do in 1998. Mm-hmm. It would have been fantastic. Um, so anyway, heavy metal and pure Oz and Pentagon, they win that fucking match. And then the next match is Ahmed Johnson versus Roy Raymond. Versus who? Roy Raymond. Oh, I thought you said Raiden. I was just the hell they're pulling out something from a true crime story. <laughs> <laughs> and they basically this is the only thing I didn't like about the fucking debut of Raw is more. It's the only thing I didn't like. They basically do the same thing they just did in the last match here because, like I told you guys about how um, Bob Backlund and the Iron Sheik were talking shit during the entire Rocky match. Um, the Nation of Domination come out and they play the Nation's match, their music the entire time, and like, Ron Simmons is talking shit to Ahmed the whole match. It's like, you guys just did the same thing right here. This is probably Vince Rousseau. But anyway, um, Ahmed Johnson ends up beating Roy Raymond, obviously. And then after the match, um, Farouk um, calls um, Ahmed Johnson... And, and this is what they said, so I just want to preface that <laughs> by saying this is what they said. Um, Farouk calls Ahmed Johnson a black-ass Uncle Tom. And then Johnson says that Farouk looks like an overdressed chunk of coal. <laughs> and that's the kind of shit that would get me to watch wrestling today. <laughs> Take take the cuffs off. Take the yeah. Take the muzzles off. So I'm just saying, I didn't say it. <laughs> Guys did, and these two are the blackest dudes I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, they're they're the most African American looking fellas I've ever seen in my life. And and they're. <clears throat> Like, if I saw these guys arguing in a corner store, I would be like, excuse me, fellas. 
I'd, I'd like to, I'd like to get my sprite and spree and move along. Yeah, yeah. Aside from you too, <laughs> because you look very angry right now. So these two are saying this to each other. I didn't say what they said. Man, and I feel so bad when I. Ninety-seven is my favorite year in wrestling. Period. End of story. No doubt. Ninety-seven is my favorite year in history of wrestling. One of the saddest things about it is just watching the fact that, and, and I love Ron Simmons. Ron Simmons is easily in my top 30 of all time, okay? Him getting saddled for over a year <laughs> with this fucking Ahmed Johnson guy. You just feel for Ron. You know, you're like, God damn it. He's what? trying his best. He's trying his best. <laughs> Part of it's his fault because he kept fucking him up. Yeah, <laughs> true. The injuries didn't help. It helped prolong things. Stop but... kicking him in the kidneys and maybe <laughs> he gets this done in two months. <laughs> so that happened. He called him a black ass Uncle Tom and an overdressed hunk of coal. And then Ahmed Johnson says that he um, isn't afraid of the nation because he has a legion. And he introduces the Legion of Doom. So we're rolling into WrestleMania 13, which is the coolest WrestleMania ever. And it's going to be the Nation of Domination versus Ahmed Johnson and the Legion of Doom. I'm looking forward to that. Um, So unless you guys have any other comments on that, we'll move into the next segment. And it is Jim Ross trying to stir up trouble between Owen and Bulldog. And Owen is having none of it. Like, he's coming out and and just like, get away. I don't want anything to do with you. Fucking Owen hates that little fat, fucking Bobby Hill-looking motherfucker over here. <laughs> trying to start shit. And we go into the new Blackjacks versus Owen Hart and the British Bulldog. It's a non-title match, and the new Blackjacks come out after Owen and Bulldog, and Bradshaw is trying to get under their skin, and he tells Owen and Bulldog, you guys have a lot of belts, and you have a lot of trophies, but then he looks at Owen and goes, you know what you have best? You got yourself some pretty lips. (laughs) He got some pretty lips. Oh, and, and that makes him mad. And they have a fight. And um, they have their match. And the new Blackjacks win by disqualification because it was it was a really stupid finish. The finish is stupid. Um, Davey basically got um, Bradshaw in a hold and refused to break the five count and they fucking disqualified him. It was stupid. I think, I think that uh, just a, just a quick note. I think that just like you said about David Taylor, um, when you were talking about nitro, that new blackjacks gimmick, I think would have worked if it would have come around about three to four years earlier. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, because they, they, guns. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I mean, you got Barry Windham and JBL. Say what you want about JBL as a person, as a performer, he was great. And as a team, they were great. I like him as a person. That, and as a team, they were really good together. It, it, it. Barry at this point in his career isn't in the greatest shape. He's a little over the hill, whatever. But as a team, they were fantastic. But I just think that they just came along because you know, like, like we were talking about, you're on the cusp of the Attitude Era and blah blah blah. So they just, as a team, they came along just a couple of years too late. But man, like you said, Ian, if they would have come along during the smoking gun era, you know, mm-hmm. to be to be a, an opposite to them, how yep. good would that have been? That would have been really cool. Or here, call them something else. Don't put new, yeah, new in front of something. But anyway, um, they went by DQ because, like I said, Davey refused to break the five count, which was a weird fucking finish. And then Taz comes out. Yeah, that's right. 1997, WWF Raw. Taz comes out, and he confronts Jerry Lawler, and then Sabu runs down the aisle, and he goes to jump on both of them, and they move, and he goes through a table, and it's fucking chaos. And they go to a commercial, and the commercial is hyping Sid versus Bret Hart next week on Raw in a steel cage match. Oh boy. It's going to be fun. Bret's going to, he's going to cut a great promo that all the kids are going to want to (laughs) hear. It's like reading Rainbow-esque type stuff. And then the next match is Al Snow versus Miguel Perez. Is he actually billed as Al Snow or Leaf Cassidy? He's billed as Al Snow. Yeah, I think he was in. I think he was in ECW at this point. I may okay. be mistaken. Um, this was my time period at ECW ninety four, ninety five to about ninety eight, ninety nine. Agreed. Agreed. Pretty certain he was in ECW at this point. Even if it was just for a cup of coffee at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they, uh, they didn't, he wasn't there long. Then he went over and he got the head gimmick. Yeah. Well, right. having Sabu and Taz on there, that's, that's my shit right there because Sabu's my favorite wrestler. And that was like, again, it's this whole show. You know, I'm and and it's just Sabu on Raw at that time. Those of you that didn't live through it cannot even comprehend <laughs> how, how different that was and how cool that was. But um, Miguel Perez beats Al Snow, so sucks to be Al. Mm-hmm. Um, and Miguel, then, Miguel, Miguel, I never have to buy a sweater, Perez. Yes. Yeah, that furry motherfucker. That Monchichi beat <laughs> Al Snow. And then we're going to get Ken Shamrock's big announcement. Guess what his big announcement is? Reffin. He is reffin the match between Bret Hart 
and Steve Austin at WrestleMania 13. Um, Ken Shamrock comes out and cuts a fucking terrible promo. And then Steve Austin interrupts him and says, shut your hole. Consider it honored. I don't come out there and beat your... (laughs) I almost said fucking. He didn't say that. Steve says, shut your hole. Consider it. I don't consider it an honor. I don't come out there and beat your damn ass right now. And then Bret Hart comes out and he um, talks to Ken Shamrock. And then he's bitching about losing his belt and kind of heating on the fans. Bret feels bad because Taker won't get his shot because he's going to beat Sid and talks about getting screwed by everybody. Like basically, Basically what happens is Shamrock comes out. He says he's going to fucking referee the match. Austin comes out and says, if you fuck me, I'm going to beat your ass. Brett comes out and says, look, dude, just like you're, you're, you're not even going to have to worry about it because I'm going to be the champ. So I'm not even going to fight Austin and all this shit. And, um, and Taker's getting screwed because he ain't going to get anything out of any of it. And um, the fans are turned against Brett, and Brett fucking doesn't give a shit about them. And um, is like Brett's just bitching about everybody um, screwing him and everything like that. And then Austin comes out and he. Taunts Brett from the ramp, flips him off, and leaves. Something I want to say about Shamrock. I am not a Shamrock fan, to be honest. I am not a big Ken Shamrock fan. I loved him when he came in uh, as the world's most dangerous man. Well, but that's one thing I was going to say here is I, I was not a big Shamrock fan, but to what Aaron said, where he's you said he kind of like cut kind of a shitty promo or whatever. I think. In this time, I'm impressed with Shamrock. And the reason I say that is he'd actually been a pro wrestler yep. for about five to six years. So I think he does a really good job in this period playing a novice. You know, coming off as he has no idea what the hell he's getting into in this pro wrestling world. You know, he's he I think he did I think he kind of almost did like a reverse psychology. Um and he he did a like I am a I am a fan of Shamrock up until probably honest to God Ian probably until early '98 because I'm not a big fan of him and Rock together. I just never was. Yeah. And when they started doing the thing with him in the corporate corporation and blah blah blah, it just I don't know. He just never he never did it for me. But at this time, I thought he was very convincing in his role. It didn't hurt that nobody knew him as a wrestler. Right. Yeah, definitely. I don't even think when he wrestled in the early or the early to mid nineties, I don't even think he used the name Ken Shamrock. No, he used, he used his name. real name. Some really Italian sounding. Yeah. Yeah. It was. <laughs> it was Kenneth Ringatoni. <laughs> Something along those lines. He was really Italian. Nobody'd heard of him. I think it was Letty Spaghetti. Something like that. <laughs> Mama Mia. Mm-hmm. Luigi. 
<laughs> but anyway, does this how I describe? I, I don't. I don't know if I described it properly. With chaos going on. It was fucking chaos. They're making Austin the badass, and they're starting to slowly turn Bret Hart into his best run. Mm-hmm. And, and Brett was almost trying to say, like, look, I'm, I feel bad for The Undertaker, but I'm going to win this belt, and then he's fucked. And that's <laughs> how it kind of kind of went. Um, then the honky-tonk man comes out. Like, all of this shit happened. This is how crazy <laughs> fucking wrestling is. Like, all of this shit happened with fucking Ken Shamrock, Steve Austin, The Undertaker, and Bret Hart. And then the honky-tonk man shows up. And he's just like, Ah, here I am. I'm the honky tonk man, and um, he refuses to sing. Well, he won't sing along with this song. And then Billy Gunn and Aldo Montoya have a match. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> Can I and, say oof? Yeah. And honky and honky tonk man is on commentary, and he's still looking for his greatest of all time intercontinental champion, and um. Sunny shows up on the split screen and she's talking about um, if you tune into Shotgun Saturday night, you can get under the covers with Sunny. I think most of everybody had by that point. So, yeah, even the hockey talk man, he's yeah. probably in there. Um, so, you can get crabs with Sunny, um, and that's terrible. And at the end of this match, Billy Gunn ends up beating Aldo Montoya, which you would expect. And then we go into a promo with Mankind clutching an urn with Paul Bearer. And he um, is talking about not needing the urn anymore and does not need his mommy. So he's basically saying the urn and um, Paul Bearer, which is his mommy, he doesn't need anymore. So Mankind is a man on his own. And then the next match is Goldust versus Tim McFeeney. Sounds like a substitute teacher. Yeah. Or jobber on a mud show. <laughs> so it's Goldust versus Tim McFeeney. And Triple H comes out because he's feuding with Goldust and he has Big Lady with him, which we haven't named Big Lady yet, but her name's China. But Triple H is out with Big Lady on the ramp. The winner is Goldust with the curtain call. And then Big Lady comes down to taunt Goldust and Marlena. And Triple H attacks. And then Marlena attacks Big Lady. The ref pulls him apart and McMahon says... That Marlena is full of spunk. Oof. <laughs> Can't lie, would have. <laughs> that Marlena is full of spunk. Question. Do you think Vince McMahon knew what he was doing, or is he oblivious? Oh, he knew. He it has. was probably partially his spunk. It wasn't New Jacks yet. <laughs> and then they pull all them apart, and Triple H, the big lady, 
and Goldust and Marlene leaves. And then we go into the Great Debate. Do you guys know what the Great Debate is? Is this isn't Heyman and uh, Lawler, is it? Yes, it is. Already? Oh, well, I thought that. I don't know why I thought that was later in this whole deal. Okay. Nope. It is Jerry Lawler versus Paul E. Dangerously, the Great Debate. How are the seesaws in Memphis, Jerry? Yeah, that's one of the jokes. Um, Jim Ross is trying to um, cross-examine this great debate and talks about Paulie wanting to let everybody know about ECW and Lawler's um, point of contention is, does ECW even exist? <laughs> Like, Paulie's like, I think ECW's the greatest thing in the world. And Jerry is, I don't even think ECW even exists. You know, and to, to, to the uneducated eye, it may sound to some of you like Lawler was burying ECW. He wasn't. At this time, this was the perfect way to get ECW over. By burying ECW. It was just this. All of this is is a it's a, it's a fantastic orchestra that Heyman and, and Lawler. Is this where he was out there telling him Heyman should be kissing McMahon's butt for even allowing him to come on the show and plug their stupid pay per view? And yeah, yeah, such Lawler, good stuff. Yeah, I, I've seen interviews with Lawler where he's gone back and said, you know, it was fun for him to do. He didn't like all the weapons and all that crap, but he said it had a bit of a Memphis feel. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, like they say, like the Lawler's basically asking if ECW even does exist. Lawler mocks ECW for only drawing um, eleven thousand or eleven hundred, eleven hundred people. And he could get 1,100 people to come to fucking Memphis to watch paint draw or paint dry. Um, Paul says WWF drawing has nothing to do with you, Jerry. Like, Waller said I could get um, 1,000 people to watch goddamn paint draw or paint dry. And um, there's 12,000 people or 12,000 people in the core state spectrum. And Heyman's like, the WWF drawing has nothing to do with you. Um, yada, yada, yada. Um, Paulie says the 1,100 people at least respect us and and all this shit. And like you said, Nate, um, Paulie does the joke about how you draw into the seesaws lawler. How are the how are the seesaws in Memphis, Jerry? <laughs> is the exact line. Yeah, because Jerry's a fucking kid diddler. All that shit, you know. It's like there's all kinds of shit going on in here, and it's fun, and I enjoyed it. And Lawler says that he has all his friends that are going to come out and beat up Sandman because Sandman shows up, Tommy Dreamer shows up, Beulah shows up which Beulah is an undercover hottie in the history of fucking chicks and wrestling. 
chick. But Tommy shows up, Sandman shows up, um, the Eliminators show up, and Lawler says, I got all my friends out here. They're going to help me beat you guys up, and then nobody shows up. And at the time, as a kid, I was like, eh, this is kind of dumb. I don't understand that. But the older me looks at it and goes, you're right. Because in 97, from like 93 to now, Lawler made no friends. Except them little fucking midgets in like 94. And he still screwed them, so they're not going to help him. <laughs> che- cheesy, queasy, and sleazy are not headed to the ring yeah, to help Jerry Lawler. Like, shit. I'm not going to fight that giant Taz. Like, Damn, Gary, you even screwed over Hakushi, for Christ's sake. <laughs> so anyway, that ends. And then we get into our mini which is Big Van Vader and Mankind with Paul Bear versus Sid and The Undertaker. And the match jump starts without The Undertaker. Um, they attack Sid. It goes on and on and on. And then Taker um, runs out, choke slams Vader. Sid then gets mad and um, power bombs the Undertaker. Vader comes <laughs> and attacks Taker. It's just this fucking goddamn schmoz between um, Big Van Vader. Mankind, Sid and Taker, and at the end of it, Vader and Mankind win, and at the end of it, Bret Hart cuts a promo that ends the show about his um, shot next week for the title. And you sign off to, again, like I said, one of the, to me, one of the landmark episodes of pro wrestling television. Yes. And you, you can, and I remember back then you could see it even with this episode. Once that war segment kicks in, it's like they gave everybody, you know, some crack cocaine and sent them out there to do whatever they wanted. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let's take out. This was to me, this was the first real, you know, they did the billionaire Ted skits and all that. And then they, they're figuring out this isn't working. Mm-hmm. Doing this was the first cannon shot across the bow to WCW. Like yeah. this is, this is what you have to contend with now. This is, you know, we're going to throw whatever the fuck we can against the wall and outlast you in this war. Mm-hmm. And they're putting their, they're actually having their big guns wrestle on TV versus other big guns. Right. Yep. So, and, and like I said, this fucking Raw's War was epic to me. There's even an ECW that was after it that I don't even want you guys to have to listen to me talk about. Because I know you guys are probably tired. Like, I have a whole another fucking episode of a show to talk about, but I'm not going to. So you guys probably want to go to bed. So I will bench the ECW for that week. 
until next week. And I'm looking forward to talking about next week's Raw. Because next week's Raw is, is the cage match with Brett and Sid. Oh, and yeah. the, the F-bombs and the Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Man, shit, shit is ratcheting up at this point. <laughs> Here, I'll throw you a good little story, you guys. You can end with this. I was attached to write Sid's autobiography. Mm-hmm. And I have it somewhere. We talked about him and Pillman. All the bullshit with the squeegee. <laughs> the War Games match. That wasn't an accident in the War Games match. Oh, wow. That was on purpose because apparently, according to him, Pillman had been fucking with him all night. Like, from the time they got to the arena. And he got in the ring and Pillman kept fucking with him and he got so sick and tired of it uh when they went to go for their finish he just threw him up into the top of the seal into the top of the cage and then drove him down into the back into the mat in an attempt Jesus. to hurt him that's crazy that's yeah crazy. gotta hear him tell he was you know tell he, he was fucking with me mm-hmm so, you know, the story about the squeegee had already gotten out. He had a different take on that. He went out right. there to get it to fuck with back with Pillman. Like, I'm such a badass, I can beat you with a squeegee. Uh, and then they got into the ring, and that was enough for him. He was like, you know what? I'm done with this shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put his fucking crown into the cage. And he That's did. crazy. Well, not you watch it. I mean, he freaking... If if he had rotated him a little more, Pillman would have been finished. Oh, definitely. I mean, listen to Dusty's reaction when he sees it happen. Mm-hmm. Jesus you know? Christ. Uh, well, he drives his neck, back of his neck into the ring. If he'd done it a little bit more, it would have driven the top of his head in. Mm-hmm. That's insane. Yeah. Uh, do, do you know, And you, I mean, you can say yes, you can say no, you can say I plead the fifth. At that time, was Sid juicing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you got a little bit of that in the system too. That he doesn't was, help. <laughs> nah, he was juiced. I mean, what's his name? Uh, told me that. Um, Fuller. Rob Fuller. Ron, yeah, or Ron Fuller. Okay. He and I had a because I was involved with his book at that point too. And he t- he flat out told me that that was. You know, his brother loves it, loves Sid to death. Mm-hmm. I have no opinion one way or the other, but he said, he said, he said the biggest problem was he had a hot temper and he had that body and it didn't come just from pumping weights. Right. Juice to the gills. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Aaron, you want to send us home? All right. I want to thank you guys. Thank you. You too, both, for um, recording this show with me tonight. And hopefully it wasn't too much of a train wreck. And like I said, next week we'll um, pick up with the ECW broadcast that happened after these two fucking mainstream shows happened. And we'll go on from there. And... um, I know it's Aaron's show, but I do want to let everybody know my computer issues that I had for about a week and a half are now remedied by a new computer. By a new computer, but just to let you know, there will 
now be new episodes of the We Can't Wrestle podcast starting next week because We Can't Wrestle has been off the shelf for a few weeks. So we will be back with that as well. And if you guys want to plug your shit one more time before we're done, go ahead. You can find me, like I said, everywhere. Search for me on Amazon. There's six books out. Newest one, Maggie, is out on Kindle, paperback, hardcover, and audiobook. Um, you can find me on all social media. Just look for Ian Totten, or author, or The Death Cast. Mm-hmm. And you can find my true pod, true crime podcast, The Death Cast, uh, on every podcast platform. And you guys can find me in your bushes while I'm watching you. So I'm going to do an episode up on you next. (laughs) (laughs) But kidding, guys. um, Just listen to the show. Listen to everybody's podcasts. Just enjoy everything that you listen to. And um, don't forget to listen to Reliving the Extreme and the We Can't Wrestle podcast and Deathcast. All that shit and enjoy this show. Just have fun. And if you don't like it, just shut up and don't listen to it anymore. Like, like don't don't like give me negative feedback because I don't give a fuck. You know? Don't leave the one star reviews and be an asshole. Yeah, don't be a dick. Just remember what listen. Like if you don't like it, just shut the fuck up and move on. Live your life. Instead of Jam Bot and Silent Bob showing up at your house, it'll be freaking Aaron and Nate. Just live your goddamn life Life. and shut the fuck up. Goodbye.